Welcome back to Jake's World, episode 34 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Tuesday, September 15th. Huge, huge sports episode today, so if you're not into that, you might as well not even bother. Huge sports weekend for me personally, for my team's. It was big time. It was big time watching it and getting a little bit of the action, betting-wise, as well. So, just hop right into it. But before we do, check out the Nuance magazine, as I said in the opening monologue a little bit earlier. It's a culture and lifestyle magazine, online magazine. They cover a lot of music you know, hip-hop music, trending artists, you know, do deep dives into a little bit about their backstory and, you know, their the new music they're putting out and they got a new clothing lines. Check them out. The Nuance Magazine, at The Nuance Mag on Twitter. Give them a look. Super cool. Now let's get into it. If you live in the Midwest like I do, and many listeners do, if you live in the Midwest, you realize that spring and fall, you can experience all kinds of weather every week, hell, even every day. You can, many, most Midwesterners have seen days where they get all four forms of precipitation. Why are you talking about the weather? Well, it rained like all weekend except Sunday. And of course, I play golf every weekend with buddies. And um, we could not play on Saturday. That's normally our go-to. You know, a Saturday or Sunday, depending on everyone's work schedule or anything else we got planned. We'll squeeze in a round of 18 sometime during the weekend and like I said it was raining all weekend so we were forced to do it on Sunday but we did want to cut in on any football time especially me because I like to watch football all day on Sunday but you know commuting Sundays afternoons I can't do that and unless the Packers are playing at 325 and I can listen to them on the radio I don't get to watch the Sunday afternoon games and most of the time like I can watch the first half or of the 325 slots I should say and then by the time I actually get out of the get out of Madison I'll be back around here 8 30 9 o'clock and I miss most of the Sunday night game as well so to counter this we decided to play an early round of golf like 7.30, 7.45. So I think our tee time was 7.42. And this is probably the first time I've played really early golf in a long time. I had a uh, group outing, you could call it, with a couple, like a bunch more friends a couple weeks ago. But by the time we kind of got it after that one, it was, you know, 8.30. That's a little different because we wrapped up around one o'clock and there were like 11 or 12 guys. Well, um, 
this was way better because there's only three of us and it was like fall weather now that day we played in madison it was like 85 degrees that day sunday the high was 65 and i love crisp weather in the morning because i fucking sweat a lot right all i do is sweat like i look at an outdoor activity and my forehead's glistening i don't sweat that's awesome plus it's so nice because you have the rest of your day to do things because you're done at 11 30 um still damp outside so your feet are always wet but i mean i'd trade that for you know having your entire day and i shot well too so the whole purpose of this is for me to say if you do play golf don't do the one o'clock tea times like like most people do right get out there in the morning you pay a little bit more but it's just it seems like when you're a little tired too i'm like more focused like ready to go i don't know it's just weird but do the early round i swear by it and for the rest of the year i'm probably gonna do that every time i go sunday was also really good because they've got buddies i play golf with we had a four-team parlay for the action on sunday's games at the noon game so you know it wasn't like you had to wait for the first one then you had two in the second slot games and then you know you rounded off that parlay with sunday night it wasn't like that it was all the noon games we had the bears and the packers money line to just win went out right no spread involved the ravens had to win by seven the spread was a seven and a half we took the ravens outside of that they had to win by more and then the seahawks had to win by at least one in a nutshell they all did so that was a pretty nice payday but there is nothing like the thrill of watching football when or anything for that matter when you have action on the game it was pretty easy going with the three games of course because i mean the packers started out a little bit slow but i mean minnesota looked really bad green bay looked very good and that game was well out of hand you know by the end of the first half same thing with the seahawks and the ravens it wasn't close they won by a large margin the bears however i believe were down 23 to 3 at the start of the fourth quarter and we're all like fuck 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 fuckity fuck fuck mitch i hate mitch put him nick Foles." two buddies are bears fans too i'm not a bears fan but i was pulling for the bears that day felt really weird to say go bears but they come back in the craziest fashion we couldn't watch the game either so we had to have it like on gamecast like on our phones because for whatever reason you couldn't stream the bears game only people in chicago and illinois had that on their local fox or whatever and we had to watch a gamecast 
of the score gradually coming closer and closer and closer and then we're like okay we might be able to do this so we facetime one of our buddies who's who lives in chicago and we (laughs) had facetime watching the game after they took the lead in the fourth quarter like on the last drive and i was pretty nervous it's nerve-wracking as hell but you gotta bet on the games and we're probably gonna do that going forward at least i am so Get in on the action. The Bears are really bad. I'm going to transition into kind of my takeaways from Sunday. The Lions are awful, god-awful. The Bears aren't very good either. The Vikings look bad defensively. Green Bay looked really good. Not so much defensively. I mean, we've, I kind of figured that defenses wouldn't look as good week one just because they didn't have the luxury of getting live reps. It was the first time that they were able to tackle somebody. You don't tackle anybody in, you know, the NFL practice scenarios. You don't have all that extra... it's, It's different, you know, just playing a shell defense as opposed to actually trying to play real defense. And we figured that... Scores would be a little bit inflated. Kickers look bad. Oh, man, do kickers look bad. Like, I don't understand it either. Like, the guy at the end of the Bengals game said he hurt his calf. Whatever. I mean, I guess that's a fluke. But that's classic Bengals to, you know, lose a game like that. The Titans. Steven Goskowski's washed. Just washed. And, I mean, there was a plethora of missed kicks all throughout the league. It was bizarre. Tom Brady, the Buccaneers, have a lot of hype just because, you know, it's Tom Brady. Gronk came back, and that's a real run-and-gun style offense. You just get Leonard Fournette. uh, Signed him last week or the week before. I think it was early last week they signed him. He didn't do much. He didn't think he would. But, I mean, the Buccaneers didn't look fabulous either. And I think they're going to struggle, you know, these first couple of weeks until they kind of get into a rhythm. I mean, they're going to be in a playoff. They're going to be a playoff team. They'll be a wild card team. The Saints will run away with the NFC South. The Falcons aren't good. I mean, who else is in that division? There's one more team. The Panthers, they lost to the Raiders. Um, Marlon Mack gets hurt. Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin guy, is going to be fucking stud in Indianapolis. Watch out for rookie of the year on that guy. Um, I mean, take what Washington won. The Eagles are really bad. The Giants are really bad. The Steelers are bad, but they somehow won. Uh, the Broncos are going to be terrible. The Titans are they are fine. They got tracked or Cito, Derrick Henry. Um, I'm trying to think of everything else that happened. Uh, the Cowboys won. Speaking of the Cowboys, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more detail. The uh, Cowboys lost. Excuse me, they didn't win. The Rams won. That was kind of an ugly game from, you know, the looks of it. Just low scoring. It's kind of weird. Like, there was no middle ground. Like, no game seemed to be perfectly what you'd expect, right? Or, like, what you'd expect for a good football game. The scores were either you know, super inflated or teams really muff the ball around, really struggle to score. Like, look at the Jets. 
and the Jets ended up making it close for the Bills. So that game was Bills for most of the game. Um, Cardinals beat the 49ers. DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray looked really good together. I don't know how long that's going to last, but DeAndre Hopkins is really fucking good. Uh, Chiefs, Texans, that was about what you expected. I mean, it was just, I don't know. It was awesome to have football back, but there weren't any games that were like, they blew your socks off for me that I could have watched anyways. But super good to see some new sports, right? I mean, baseball, it always seems like baseball's, those regular season games are just really hard to follow. Hockey's wrapping up. I mean, we're getting this close to the Stanley Cup Finals. Dallas Stars punched their ticket last night. Um, I believe the Lightning and the Islanders are three games to one. Tampa's up. It's three games to one or two games to one, something like that. And I mean, Tampa looks like they're going to run away with the Cup. But you never know. Dallas is playing well at the right time, and that's what it is in hockey. It's about the right team getting hot at the right time. D'Antoni era is done in the NBA. I mean, the Rockets lost three games, or they lost in five. They didn't really look good after that first the game one win against the Lakers. The Nuggets aren't out yet. You know, they're game sevens tonight. Who knows? Stephen A. Smith was like, oh, Quiet Leonard has to play tonight. There's more pressure on him than pressure on LeBron. Fucking idiot hot take people, but. Uh, it's uh, Celtics and the Heat in the East. I like the Heat. It's going to go six or seven. I'm thinking it's going to be Heat and Lakers in the finals. But LeBron might get this ring. He might get that fourth ring with a, you know, his third team. So a lot of big sports moments coming up soon. I mean, regular season, the MLB is going to be wrapping up in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a good October for sports, that's for sure. Now, I just alluded to the fact that a lot of your sports talking heads like to make outrageous takes to get clicks, to get, you know, attention, get people listening to them. And Skip Bayless is probably the best at that of all of the sports journalists out there. I mean, Skip's been around, Skip's been in the business for 20, 30 years now. He's been on television for 20 plus years now. I remember being a little kid and watching like cold pizza in the morning and he was always on there. Like I watched cold pizza and Mike and Mike and it was like a seven year old. That's when they did more radio style as, as opposed to, you know, the, the TV spectacle they do now. Like, you know, it's debate style of course, but Skip is probably the strangest sports fan ever, right? He's a Texas guy, so he loves the Cowboys, it's his team. It's always been his team. He likes the Spurs, and he—he's he, you know, you, if you listen to sports, you know who Skip Bayless is. He went on the record saying that he does not feel bad for Dak Prescott and the issues he had with depression earlier in April, May. You know, right around when COVID really became an issue. They shouldn't. Became an issue in America. Big time issue. Now, some backstory. In a nutshell, that's what he said. But some backstory. Um, Dak Prescott had a brother who committed suicide you know, six months ago. Something like that. And that's something that 
Dak did not handle easily, right? I mean, most people don't handle those things well. And he um, he went through a bout of depression, and that's very normal. But Skip made it sound like just because he's an athlete and he has all this money and things are going well for him, that he should be able to block that out. That's kind of what I took away from it, right? And it's just, it's an insensitive take. It's so insensitive because I'm going to get into this, <clears throat> the notion of, you know, athletes being above human status right and it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking of athletes this way they have gravy lifestyles right if you're very good even if you're not very good you're comfortable you don't have to deal with many of the problems that most people deal with just because most problems revolve around money it doesn't mean they're not human beings, right? They have emotions. They have political beliefs. They have feelings. And just because you're the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys doesn't mean you have to shy away from expressing how you feel. And, you know... He didn't even, I don't even think he complained about it that much. He just said it was an adjustment for him because he had a lot going on in his personal life. 99% of people relate to that. They say, oh, it's good that you're able to relay what you're going through in a way to kind of explain your mentality. It's relatable because everybody was going through an adjustment of lifestyle and, you know, Maybe they didn't have something disastrous in their life going on, but things look pretty bleak in late March, April, and May, up, up until probably since sports came back. And Skip falls into that 1%. It's just an insensitive take, and it goes with, you know, saying, yeah, he needs to be a man. He needs to have leadership strength and this alpha mentality and not let anything around him bother him and he needs to be you know that stoic brutus character that doesn't relay his feelings and brutus is from julius caesar the shakespeare play by the way this stoic archetype you know where you don't complain you don't talk about your feelings and we don't live in that kind of world anymore it's therapeutic to say what's on your mind it's a stress relief to talk with people even if you they don't help you it's just venting it's getting things off your chest it's bouncing ideas off of people you even talking is a way for you to almost think about things outside of your head like i said even if they don't give you any advice or uh, a way to handle it just hearing it it's going to be okay is okay it's good and it should be encouraged you can't keep everything bottled up and I struggle with this personally so it was a little bit relatable to me because I don't like to talk I keep everything inside and that's not always healthy and for Skip to do that on a national stage was kind of like really man especially with everything going on in today's world 
you know, you kind of see our society changing before our eyes and the way younger people think and express themselves as opposed to the way older people like himself and how they, you know, handle problems and express themselves is changing. And you don't have to like it. You may have your own belief, but you shouldn't discourage somebody else from doing what helps them. And, I mean, is anything going to change from that? No. He's the best in the business. People paid attention to it. People ratioed him on Twitter. But he doesn't care. That's his job. And, I mean... You want to give him the benefit of the doubt, being like, oh, he's just strictly doing this for publicity. He's doing it so the spotlight's on him. But the thing was, he thought that segment out. You know, it wasn't just an off-the-cuff thing where he was like, I'm going to go on a little hot take here and spit this out. And he wasn't stumbling or... You know, it was, wasn't at a loss for words. He actually put some thought into organizing this coherent thought into a take. And I don't know. I, I just said it was, like I said, it was super insensitive to me. And that that needs to change. I mean, it goes along with the notion of, like, shut up and dribble. They're people, too. These athletes are people, too. Now, do I agree that... Some athletes are not handling their beliefs and their problems in the best way all the time. Yeah, that's fair. You don't want to have a platform as large as some of these players do and incite divisiveness in any capacity, whether it be political or health, mental health-wise or anything. You don't want to be in a position to where you make things worse by stating your opinion you want to shine light on a subject and handle it in a way where you're bringing awareness to an issue and you know working toward a common goal or highlight that you're doing that you don't want to divide people and it's a weird time because a lot of people are a lot of people are doing that and that seems to be the the way we're handling things right now and it can't be this or that there's always a gray area in everything and we need to find that in anything you talk about Dak didn't do that but it just a lot of people are on one side of issues this is kind of generic I've kind of spun this off into a generic way of looking at the world a lot of people are on one side of an issue of any issue and then the other half are on the other side of an issue and we don't have that middle ground anymore and that middle ground is where we need to be. You don't have to compromise your beliefs if you don't agree with something. But you can't totally condemn it either. You need to figure out a way to work past things and make it a better place. So, Kind of enough with the sports there. Got wrap up the show with two little things. Well, one bigger than the other, but... Joe Rogan <laughs> made an offer to Donald Trump and Joe Biden to have a debate on his podcast. Now, Joe Rogan has the biggest podcast in the world, the Joe Rogan Experience. And for me, I don't even listen to his show all that much just because he's a little bit out there. He's very vocal about his beliefs. 
and that's fine. Um, but he has a wide variety of guests on all the time, and like a hundred million dollar deal with Spotify shows that he's probably the best at what he does. And he offered these two to come onto his platform and do a debate, right? He would live stream it. It wouldn't be like a pre-recorded thing. Or maybe it would. he would probably release it like that. But there would be no prep for either candidate in doing so. The president said that he's totally for that. Now, how serious that is, I don't know. But I'm going to be very frank here. The people who despise the president standing right now don't really care what he has to say, right? It's not a sh- it's not a lie that to say that the challenger is incompetent. He's not competent. Just look at the way he talks. You ask him a question and he goes on a ramble about something else entirely. I don't know if he has a a health issue or he has dementia, but it's not a pretty sight. (laughs) But, I mean, debates have always been a tradition to... um, What am I trying to say? Debates are always a way for each candidate to highlight the various issues that our country has, what they're running on, and, you know, it's a way to see what policies work better, or not even work better or work worse. It's just, what does each candidate represent? How would they tackle these issues? And it gives voters a chance to think about what course of action makes the most sense to me economics, race, domestic laws, you know, tax things, health care, foreign policy, anything. That's what you do. Each candidate makes a case for himself and it says, vote for me because I want to do it this way. Vote for me because I want to do it that way. It's a great gesture because I don't know if a debate is something we're going to have because, you know, of COVID and the parity between left and right and honestly I don't think it would do any good most people's minds are probably already made up because you know the actual job itself you know the policy making the ideology isn't there anymore it's not about who can do something better it's about who do I hate less and it's really sad because I mean I think this is a lot of you know changing society People my age and a little older than me and a little younger than me are becoming of age to make decisions on who they choose to represent them. And we're not focused on policy right now. We're focused inward and the problems we have as a society as a whole in America. That's good. It's a good thing that we're looking at the world in a way that we see something that doesn't make sense to us, and we're challenging that. But you can't just ignore other things, too, right? Like, I I don't want to go on a huge tangent about this, but like I said, it's not about 
who can do something better or do it the right way or for me the way that makes most sense it's not about that anymore it's about who do I hate less and it shouldn't be like that because I mean one side calls one candidate you know incompetent asleep hiding in a basement inciting violence and the other guy says he killed 200,000 Americans with COVID and his handling. Um, incompetent, corrupt, liar. It's like, you go anywhere and all the people spitting nonsense about either candidate really don't know what they're talking about. Because, like I said, I'm not sure when this started, but one side's whole platform is we hate this person and we're not going to vote for him no matter what he does then the other side is I that person cannot talk and I'm not going to vote for him no matter what he does take it for what you will but I mean it was nice it was, as nice as it would be to see a debate I don't think it would really do any good at this point but that's just me you have your opinion and I have mine. But the last thing I want to talk about a little bit was 9-11 was on Friday. And it kind of gets lost in the mud just with, you know, everything going on. A lot of people, I should say an overwhelming amount of people did pay respects and condolences and say never forget. And it's good. It's an opportunity for us to unite under something that's a common cause. I did not like to see the people making comparisons. Oh, fuck Donald Trump, because every three days he causes a 9-11, which... <sighs> Stop doing that. He could have locked down the country entirely, and people would still find a reason to hate him because they took away all their personal freedoms. It's unconstitutional. And then... So that's that's the point I'm getting at. It's like one side, it's it doesn't matter what the other side does because they're, they're not going to... They, there's no conceding. They they just they don't like either person, and that that's just what I'm, what are you gonna do? But I'm not sure. I've never heard the story before. I'm sure many of you have, but there's a story I came across about the man in the red bandana. Right now, nine eleven was always really close to me because I was a patriotic kid growing up my dad's extremely patriotic he loves this country he loves everything it represents I mean not as of late I mean he has some issues with things going on today but I mean for the most part he is an extremely patriotic person I mean he respects everything the military does and for you know our personal freedoms and Many of us who remember where we were, what happened that day, don't forget that. And it's good. Right? Because this country, no matter what we have going on in it right now, it's the best place in the world to be. Because all these people complaining and, you know, fed up with the way things are, you have a right to express that. And most, and a lot of other, I shouldn't say most, because Europe you can but a lot of other places, you don't have that luxury. In China, if you speak up, you disappear. 
In Russia, if you speak up, you disappear. In Africa, in the Middle East, you speak up, you disappear. At least you can voice your concerns here. And we united as a country that day. And it was awesome to, you know, remember every year these memories of that unity. I mean, it was a terrible tragedy what happened that day. But the collectiveness into, you know, we'll recover from this was, it's good to remember that. And it feels good remembering that. I mean, George Bush throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium the next day. Sammy Sosa running dead sprint from the dugout with the American flag. Goes up to bat with one in his, or he gets one from the bat boy. After he hits a home run, runs around the bases holding that flag. That was really cool, right? It was just, we were unified. I wish we could have that now. I remember where I was that day. I mean, I was in kindergarten or pre-kindergarten and I went to class Monday, Wednesday, Friday I say it like I'm a college kid <laughs> went to school Monday, Wednesday, every other Friday and it happened on a Tuesday morning and I was able to watch the whole thing on the news and I mean I was five years old you don't know what's going on but I mean most people remember where they were that day if you were old enough to remember that and came across a story about the man in the red bandana. Like I said, not sure if you've heard this story before, but um, there was a young man who whose name was Wells Crowther. Crowther, Crowther, I think the video I watched was. That's what they said. Um, he was a... He worked on Wall Street. He was an equities trader on Wall Street. And um, he worked in the World Trade Center Tower. And this whole bandana comes in because, I mean, he had, uh, it was a family heirloom, right? And his grandfather carried this red bandana around him, or in his pocket. His dad did it. And then his dad passed on this bandana to Wells when he was like six years old, right? And his dad was a firefighter. And his father kind of instilled that into his son. Like, his son had a passion for, you know, being a firefighter and helping people. And he went to school at Boston College, I think it was. Played lacrosse. Good, great student. Graduated in economics and got this job on Wall Street. And he was thinking about, you know, making a career change. I don't want to do this. I can't imagine sitting at a desk for the rest of my life. I want to, you know, have a career where I can help people. And before he could make that change, um, 9-11 happened. And the story is that he, um, I think, I don't remember the floor he worked on. I don't have... I mean, I could pull up the story. I'm not going to read the whole thing just because you can probably read it yourself, right? And um, he worked, he made a phone call to his parents or his mom, says that he's okay. And then that was the last time he talked to his mother. And he worked somewhere in the South Tower, higher up 
you know, 78th floor, and he found a group of people. You know, they were injured, and he was like, he had his bandana on, and he was like, follow me, and, you know, I'll take you to where you need to go. And he gathered a group of people, or a couple of people, and he took them down like 18 flights of stairs to a working elevator somewhere on the 50th to 60th floors. And, you know, most people could have been like, okay, I'm going to get out of here. He didn't. I mean, his fire fighting, you know, helping people instincts took over and he went back. He found another group and he did the same thing, you know, help you while having this bandana on. And long story short, he did not make it out of the tower that day. And then months later, um, two people came forward with their stories about a man in a red bandana helping them to safety when they were injured in the attacks. And they um, found his body in March of 2002 alongside firefighters and emergency workers. And um, his body was intact, you know, no issues, you know, physically. And he was wearing that red bandana still. And it was kind of cool to, like, see his parents' reactions. Like, um, you know, they they were like, Wells did what he was meant to do, like, help people. And, like, he even did that to his, his last breath. And, I mean, those stories make you sad, right? I mean, a really decent human being lost their life, but a decent human being lost their life doing something that bettered the other people around them. You know, he helped people with regard, like no regards to his own safety, his own life. And a message I want to relay with this story is don't be so selfish. I mean, it's very easy to do selfish things and only think of yourself in the, the world we live in today where it's, you know, money, 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 you know, get a job, bigger house, bigger car, better car. Just remember we're human beings too. And you can help out in so many little ways. I mean, you don't have to be a suicidal maniac and, you know, go through extraordinary feats and measures to help people. But you can do little things and take that attitude anywhere you go. So that concludes today's podcast and uh, a little bit of a somber note to end on. But I feel like like 9-11 something that I always take some time to think about and reflect on. And it didn't even involve me. Like I was a little kid growing up in the Midwest, but... It's just a symbol of us, you know, America and, you know, unity and land of opportunity, personal freedoms. And if that was lost upon you that day, it shouldn't have been. You need to remember those things. And like I said, just, just don't be selfish. Help somebody else out every day and you'll live a full life. So. This episode was presented by the Nuance Magazine. I said it at the top of the show. 
check them out. They're really good at what they do. I say the same thing every time, but hey, they sponsor Jake's World, so now you get to hear about them too. Check them out, Twitter, Instagram, their online magazine. It's really good, I promise. So follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Jake Sawinski8, J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I. Have a good week, guys. Peace. And the clowns have all gone to bed You can hear happiness instead of